1 Corinthians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, and Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that, that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Nick. I'm a <clears throat> ministry apprentice here at St. Matt's, somewhere between my L plates and my P plates. Uh, having a bit of fun. Uh, Do keep 1 Corinthians 3 open. Uh, All the good stuff is in there and it's going to help us as we plot along. Uh, I want to start with a thought experiment. Imagine it's 2022 and for the first time in uni church history, you get to pick your own hub group. Uh, If you're new here, hub groups are kind of like our Bible studies and you've never been able to pick your own before. And I know what some of you are thinking, uh, what kind of utopian fantasy is this? I can finally pick a group that's remotely close to my home. (laughs) False. It's just an experiment. Uh, But do imagine that you get to pick your own group. How would you do it? Uh, You could pick by location, whichever is closest. Uh, You could pick based on whoever else is in your group, on the kind of group dynamics. Or you could pick based on leaders. Because let's be honest, uh, what would you rather? Uh, Do you want a a leader who's dynamic and funny? Or do you want one that's boring? I mean, unless they literally met next door, why would you want to go to a boring group? 
Uh, Do you want a leader who's well-read, well-traveled, worldly-wise? Or do you want the trainee who's younger than you? Uh, Do you want the leader who's bubbly, or do you want the leader who's serious? Do you want the leader who can teach and who can spin a yarn, or do you want the leader who will spin you to sleep? Imagine that all other elements are equal. They all love Jesus. They all teach the Bible. Uh, Which hub group would you choose? It's obvious, right? But what if our criteria for ministry is completely off? Uh, What if our understanding of what makes a good leader is wrong? That's what we want to look at this evening in 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, Now, if you've been uh, tracking with us for the last few weeks, you'll remember that uh, Paul has been demolishing the factions that are lined up behind different leaders. Uh, In in verse 3, Paul laments that they're they're quarrelling and they're jealous. And it's because they all have a favourite. I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. For them, it's about honour and wisdom. Find the best guy, the most impressive preacher, and follow them. But in verse 1, Paul says their understanding of ministry is worldly and infantile. Uh, He he paints the picture of Corinthians like little kids with with posters of their favourite preachers on the wall. And they make fun of each other for following the wrong one. And for Paul, it's just so worldly. They should be full of the Spirit. They should treat each other better, and yet they're acting like babies. Their understanding of ministry is so worldly. And so in verses 5 to 23, uh, Paul teaches them God's idea for what ministry is really like. Uh, Now, as far as I'm aware, no one's lining up uh, behind the apprentice or Jeff. Uh, We all know you prefer Ez. Uh, (laughs) But I'm going to hazard a guess that we do all have favourites. We we do have preferences about leaders and ministry. Uh, Many of us are in in ministry ourselves, uh, youth group or hub group or kids' church. And therefore, there's plenty for us to learn. Uh, So we're going to see two things tonight. Uh, Firstly, uh, leaders are servants, not saviours. You'll find that in verses 5 to 9. Leaders are servants, not saviours. Uh, And secondly, uh, ministry is measured by God, not man. Verses 10 to 17. Leaders are servants, not saviours. Ministry is measured by God, not man. Uh, So let's have a look at that first point. Uh, Paul begins in verse 5 by appealing to a definition. If you're so wise about leaders, then what is Paul? What even is Apollos? Give me the definition. See, in the mind of the Corinthians, they're so brilliant, their leaders are so brilliant, uh, that they're practically saviours. But Paul says, you're wrong. That's the wrong definition, because they're servants. And the image he uses to illustrate this is the picture of a farm. Uh, In verse 6, the Lord has assigned them each a task. Uh, Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered it. Uh, It's a picture or a tale of plowman and waterboy, servants of the Lord. But God has been making the seed grow. Uh, 
slightly obscure example. Uh, let's have a look at the mould in my lunchbox this week. Uh, Adrian made a Thai green curry. Uh, I left it in the fridge. And all of a sudden, it was Fungus City in there. Uh, it was like Shrek had done some interior decorating. Now, I can take the blame. But I can't take the credit. It just happens. I didn't cause the bacterial cells to multiply and divide. I didn't extract the spores out of the mould. It just happened. The biology, the botany, the bacteria, none of that was me. Now, I'm sure Ploughman and Waterboy were planting something much nicer, but you see the point. They don't know how. They don't know when. But God gives the growth. God is making their ministry grow. And the implications of this are in verse 7. Read it with me. Uh, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The Corinthians, they're looking at their ministry. uh, Their churches are ballooning. Their reputation is growing. And so they brag and they boast. And Paul says, no, no. It's God who's doing that. It's God who's saving. Your leaders are nothing. And and you can't divide over which leaders are better. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, verse 8. And their purpose is to serve God. They're not competitors. They're not pitted against each other. They're on the same team. God is the one with the impressive ministry. God is the one who gives the growth. Uh, I don't speak Greek, but uh, literally in the conclusion it reads, God's we are co-workers, God's field, God's building we are. All the emphasis in this section is on God. And therefore ministry leaders are not saviours. They're our servants. So what do we do with this for ourselves? It's all about who gets the credit. It's all about who gets the credit. Uh, And there's there's two things to say about this. Uh, It it affects, firstly, how we do our own ministry. Hub groups, kids' church, hospitality, women's ministry, ministry apprenticing. We do not get the credit when someone becomes a Christian or a new person feels welcomed or people grow in their understanding of, of the Bible. We are humble plowwomen and waterboys. We're servants. To take the credit is robbery. It's stealing God's glory because he gives the growth. And therefore, uh, we need to be really careful about assuming our own importance in ministry. We're not essential We're not irreplaceable. We're not even ultimately responsible. God can use anyone he likes. He can use a clown or a nerd or a fool. We are servants, not saviours. God gives the growth. Uh, But secondly, this section also affects how we view other ministry leaders. One pastor put it this way. If a neighbour lends you a donkey to help do a job for you, You might give the donkey some straw or some hay uh, for his troubles. A little pat on the head as he goes his way. But above all, you don't thank the donkey. You thank the master who lent him to you. 
And it's the same with ministry leaders. When we grow, when we're helped along by their work, our ultimate thanks belongs to God. We, we should never put leaders on a pedestal. We don't reward them with our credit. The ministry we belong to is God's. And you see how that can, devi- uh, can guard against division. Because that means it's not uni church versus the Christian union. We belong to God. It's not one hub leader that we like versus all the rest that we have to listen to every now and then. Uh, we belong to God. When everyone is just a servant, it's very hard to have favourites. Because none of them are saviours. Only God is. Leaders are servants, not saviours. But secondly, uh, ministry is measured by God, not man. Ministry is measured by God, not man. Uh, Let's pick it up with Paul in verse 10. He says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Uh, So in the last section, uh, Paul used the image of a farm, but now he uses the image of a building. And he thinks of himself as the concreter. The foundation of any church is Christ. And Paul was the one that laid the cement in Corinth. He was the first one there. But now a new group have come to Corinth. A new group of builders who are building on top of that foundation. And Paul is concerned that they build with care because the quality of their work will be tested. We see that there in verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation, that's the one that Paul built, using gold or silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. See, for Paul, uh, the day of the Lord is coming. A day when fire will tear through their ministry to test what is really there. And ministry leaders can choose. They they can pack the walls with hay and straw and wood or they can pack the walls with gold and silver and precious stones. But on the final day, God will decide what is really there, what their ministry is really like. Uh, If their ministry is gold, it will survive. If it's hay, it all goes up in smoke. But why is Paul telling them this? Why is he telling them this? Uh, It could be that Paul is kind of dealing with some horrible builders in Corinth. Uh, He wants to warn them before they stuff it up. The kids minister is dodged. The senior pastor is incompetent. Uh, You know, maybe Paul's trying to clean up their act. Might be. Uh, It could be that Paul's raising the alarm bell for the Corinthians. Guys, not sure you know, this building's about to blow. Uh, We found straw in the smoke alarm, a little bit weird. Uh, I would get out of this church because there's no ministry here. Uh, Nothing that's worth being with. Could be that. But here's what I think. I think Paul is warning them about the judgment to come because the Corinthians are making their judgment now. 
In other words, uh, rather than letting God measure their leaders, Paul is worried that people are measuring them now. And that's a problem. Because superficially, they've got all the signs. They've got all the, uh, the growth and the people and the, the flashiness. The incredible preaching, they've got it all. Superficially, it's there. But those are human standards. Worldly, fleshly, infantile standards. And on the final day, God's judgment will reveal whether it really lasts or whether it just burns away. Uh, When I was at uni, uh, a tutor came up to me one day after reading my assignment and she said, Nick, uh, really enjoyed your work. It was well written. And, um, you know, admittedly, I did a science degree, so the fact that I used paragraphs instead of dot points was a revelation. Uh, But... After that comment, I was expecting big things. You know, my first HD, then first year, hopefully. But when I got the assignment back, my marks were terrible. It looked good, it read well, it impressed the tutor, it impressed me. But the grade was terrible. And the reason was it didn't answer the marking key. And that's what Paul is saying to the Corinthians here. Yeah, your ministry might look good. Yeah, it's impressive. But whose marking key are you using? Yours or God's? See, notice Paul isn't saying that their ministry leaders are bad. But he's also not saying they're good. Because wisdom and eloquence and flashy facilities and growing numbers are not the test. The test is whether people have heard the gospel and are truly saved on the final day. The the test is whether people have been starved on a diet of worldly wisdom or whether they've been nourished on the food of the cross. Ministry is measured by God, not man. If their ministry survives, they'll get a reward from God. But if it burns, they'll barely escape through the flames. Singed hair, singed eyebrows. Ministry is measured by God. So what does that mean for us? Uh, Well, again, uh, there is some legitimate application for us if we're in ministry. uh, Kids' church or hospitality or music. Uh, And the lesson is simple. Uh, Build your ministry on Jesus. Or it will not last. If we rely on our personality to keep people in our youth group... We're packing the walls with hay. Uh, If we avoid the hard topics in a one-to-one, if we only tell people what they want to hear, if we shy away from the truth, if we don't talk about repentance, if we ignore the gospel, we are packing the walls with hay. And therefore, all our ministry goes to waste. It's not useful to God, it's not useful to us, and to our shame, it's not useful to anyone else. Gold standard ministry is about Jesus. Uh, But again, this this section also has something to say about how we judge other people's ministry. Because there's a real danger at a a church like ours, uh, a 
growing church like Uni Church with great staff and great programs, there's a real danger that we get so used to our brilliance that we look down on the shoddy churches around us. The churches that don't look so flash. And there's also a real danger that we despise our own church when it's not up to scratch. But Paul is saying, there is every chance that there's a little church down the road where the minister's kind of clunky and the people are odd and the numbers are few and the supper is nothing but fruitcake and weak tea and yet their ministry is pure gold. And actually on the final day, like our church is not even in their league. This passage is saying that uh, there is every chance that the hub group that you're in next year doesn't look as good as the one you're in this year. Uh, everyone's too serious. The leaders are kind of weird and boring. And yet there is every chance that that ministry is pure gold. And actually several people are saved this year. And you never find out till the final day. Ministry is measured by God. And if we don't see that, that's how we become divided. Divided against uh, other churches in Perth. Divided even within ourselves. That's why I think verse 17 is about us as well as leaders. Because if we insist on basing our judgments about ministry on worldly wisdom, and if that leads to division, and it destroys God's united temple, the warning is clear. God will destroy us. Ministry is measured by God, not man. Uh, So where have we been? Uh, We've seen that the the Corinthians have a worldly understanding of ministry, collision, as Jeff was saying, between God's way and the world's. And they've misunderstood that leaders are servants, not saviours. And they've misunderstood that uh, ministry is measured by God, not man. But before we finish, we need to see where Paul finishes. Have a look at verse 18. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. They think they know the best, these Corinthians. They think they can spot the best. They think they follow the best. And Paul says, you're wrong. God catches the wise out. God knows that hay will not survive the fire, that leaders don't cause the growth, that wisdom is divisive. They need to start thinking less like themselves and more like God. They need to become fools in the eyes of the world. But Paul's reason is incredible. Because if they can become fools, they will see that all ministry, all leaders belong to them. At the end of verse 21, Paul says, All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. 
See, the Corinthians say, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, and it's as if they're saying, I belong to these leaders. And Paul says, no, they belong to you. If only you become a fool and you can see it. If you ditch the worldly wisdom and see that they belong to you, all of them. And this changes everything. Because we we love to divide, we love to pick sides, we love to have our favourites. But when we do that, we lose. I like this hub leader, I don't like this hub leader. I like it when he preaches, but I hate it when he preaches. When we think like that, we lose. Because they're all ours. Paul is yours, and Apollos is yours, and Cephas is yours, and Evan is yours, and Jeff is yours, and the Christian Union is is yours, and Ez is yours. So no more boasting, Paul says. Become a fool. Don't, Don't worry whether your hub group has impressive leaders or whether they're boring. Because God is the saviour and God gives the growth and God is the ultimate judge and you are in Christ and all is yours.